This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Matt Bolin and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. You know, one of the things that I've learned years ago, uh, just in studying and uh, just listening to many different sermons and uh, different uh, teachers teach about different things, one of the ways that men or that dads connect with their kids, one of the best ways they can do that is by having fun. Many times you'll remember, if you go back in your time, or maybe, maybe it was a friend's dad or what, but they were just, there were a lot of fun memories, and that's the way that they do. They said one of the best ways dads can uh, interact with their children is actually wrestling with them. That is one of the best ways that they do it. Moms are so loving and caring and teaching and growing, and dads, we just wrestle. So that's how we do it. And so one of the things that dads try to do is that they always, uh, they make it fun, and uh, I remember watching a marriage video about it, and the, the wife is speaking, and she said, I've got to do this, and 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 dad goes, yeah, and I make it fun. And so that's kind of how life goes sometimes. And so, um, you know, with that, we all, we all hear our dads say things. You know, they, they have their, their dad sayings. And so um, I was watching the other night with my wife. Um, we, we were up late for some odd reason, and Jimmy Fallon came on, and we always like to watch the beginning part of his, and it's funny. And so we're watching it, and he did the hashtag dad quotes. And so we had some funny ones on there. So I want to read you a few of dad quotes, and uh, maybe this will hit home. Maybe you're, this is you, but uh, so this is it. So there's a dad, and uh, he was talking about drinking milk, and the dad said, who was the first guy to grab a cow's udder and say, I'm drinking whatever comes out of this? Uh, yeah, questions to ask. Next one is, my dad always says, you're going to the bathroom? Mention my name, and you'll get a good seat. Yep, yep, there we go. There are some, a lot of, a lot of smells. When you become a dad... Smells just change. I don't know. I don't know what it is. My dad, yeah. Anyways, we're going to leave it at that. Um, when my dad would drive my friends around, he would say, buckle up. I saw something in a cartoon I want to try. My, all my friends would freak out at that moment right there. Uh, another one says, that this dad said, I want the Dallas Cowboys to be my pallbearers so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> There's one last one I want to share right here. This is one of my favorites. And he said, so this family sits down and says, we all sit down to watch old home movies, at least 20 years old. He says, when my dad came and sat down, we noticed that he was wearing the same shirt on the couch that he was on the TV. And that's, yes, so uh, many of you will recognize and know that that's uh, a lot of times dads, we kind of all, you know, do a lot of things like that and stay with our mindset. You know, I, I believe that you should buy one pair of jeans and be done, never have to buy another pair. And unfortunately, that doesn't work. But uh, you know, I think as, as dads, we have two different descriptions of dads. You know, if you look at the world, the way that the world describes dads, it's like they're, they're dumb. They don't know anything. They're just kind of, hey, dad's the one you're going to fool and you're going to do all this stuff. But then when you read through the word of God, it talks about that he's the leader of the house. That everything, he's the one that the communication, that he will rise up and communicate with God, that he will be the one to do this, that he will lead the family. And it's such a contradicted area because we look at the world and they say he's dumb. We look at, the, at God and he said, no, he's the leader. And I believe that's what the Lord has called each of us to do is that we have a calling. And I believe there's no greater calling than to be called daddy. And, and that is one of my favorite things to do is to have my kids. And so um, I'm very honored to stand up here and be able to speak on Father's Day because it's such a great blessing to be called a dad. And so what I want to do right now is I know this as well as anyone else. It's hard to be a dad at times. Because I want you to understand, the first thing is, we've never been here before. 
We have literally never done this before. I look at Warren Havens and, you know, when he said, be fruitful and multiply, he took it literally and was like, I got this, I'll do this. And he did a great job with it. But you know what? Today is a place he's never been before. Today is a new step. He's got less kids, but he's got grandkids and he's got this and he's stepping into a new role that he's never been. Some would say, well, he's got all these other kids. He knows how to do this, but he's never been at this moment. And he is feeling his way through this as the Lord directs him. And I think it's the same way with each one of us. And so what I want to do is I want to recognize and acknowledge the dad. So if you are a dad in this place, would you please stand to your feet? Yes, absolutely. Stand up if you would. Stay standing. I know this is one of the hardest things for men to do, for dads to do, is to stay standing on those things. But we truly do honor you today because as pastor said, we have great fathers in this place. This sign right here says behind every great kid is a great dad. And we have a ton of great kids in this place. So first of all, thank you for who you are. Stay standing for a minute because what I want to do is I understand this. I can't do this on my own. I fail constantly. And the best thing that I can do is continually cry out to the Lord for help. Lord, lead me and guide me. I look at some of the ones who are now new dads, who've never been dads before, taking on the role of a stepfather, who have just walked into this and are trying to be led and do those things. And so what I want to do is I want to pray. So if your family's around, just go ahead and put your hands on your dad. If your family's not there, kind of reach your hands out to a different dad that are right there. If there's one by you, just kind of put your hand on and I want to pray. And let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the blessing that it is to be called a dad. Father, that you are the ultimate dad in our lives. And so, Father, first and foremost, let us continue to cry out for help, that you will be there when we need you most of all. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be the leaders of our family. As you lead our life, let us lead our family. Father, let us be called the man of God that you have called us. Not only that, Lord, let us be a friend of God, one that continues to be found in the presence of the Lord. Father, I pray blessing over all these men. I pray you help them with leadership, with compassion, with patience, with love, and most of all, with a boldness to know who they are called from you. You directed their steps, and so, Lord, let us all stand boldly in the throne room as we lead our family to your feet. And so, Father, I ask for your blessing and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for you to have a seat. And so I, I want to talk a little bit today about discovering God the Father, the Father and who he is in our life. So as I was presented with this, um, the Lord really spoke to my heart about how we want to do this service. And so he gave me four people to go and communicate with. And we those four different people... I asked them, what was your main point, what were your main thoughts that you learned as a father, and what would you share with another father from what you learned? Maybe something that you thought, but you didn't realize until you were a father, this is really what the truth is on it. So um, the four different people I talked to, I talked to a, a young dad who has three small children, so that he's just in the, you know, he's got diapers still in the house, and he's got this, and then I talked to a pastor whose children are out, and he's become a, a, a grandfather, and then I talked to a coach whose children are still in school and, and transitioning into the next stage of school. And then the last one I talked to was a business leader here in town. And the thing I look at it is every one of their kids are great kids. And so I asked, what, 
the Lord put on my heart to ask each of them one, those two questions. Tell me what you've learned and what you would share with someone else and what you thought before, but you figured out was a little bit different as you became a father. And so we're going to start today, and I'm going to start with a young dad in his thoughts. So if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Psalms 46. Psalms 46 is where we're going to start. While you're doing that, I'd love to pray, and we'll move forward with service. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and Lord, we thank you and love you for the opportunity to be in this place. Thank you, Father, that every day can be a Father's Day because we get to spend it with you. And so, Lord, let us continue to seek you today. I ask, Father, that you would help me to speak this message with simplicity and clarity, Father. Lord, that you would give me thoughts and ideas, things that I'd plan on not saying so the lives would be affected and changed in this place. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the blessing of reading your word today. Let it dig deep into our hearts. Let us hear it and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalms 46 verse 1 is what we're going to start right here. And it says this, God is our refuge and strength. This is where the Lord begins everything. And this is where it starts. God is our. He is ours. We claim him. He is ours. He is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So I asked this young dad and I said, tell me what what thought you would like to share. And this is what he said. He said, as men, we get caught up in the things we do for our kids. We lose sight of the fact that while we're working and sweating, we're actually not with them. But in the time that we spend with them is the most important. And so I I love the statement because later on you'll hear that another one who they don't even know each other spoke very similar. Be present in what you do. And I love this because God is our refuge and strength. When you read that and you understand that, what he's simply saying is this, is that if you'll seek me, you will find the refuge and the strength. I always go back to the different scriptures. uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but through all things, through prayer and supplication, present your request to the Lord. You know, I think as fathers and as parents, because this isn't just a Father's Day message. This is as parents, as leaders, as men and women of Christ, we all deal with things differently. We have an opportunity to act this way, the way that we know to do it, or we can act the way that God is asking us to do it. And the very simple thought is this, is that if we will trust in the Lord and lean back into him, that he's our refuge and strength, we will begin to continually experience the blessing of God. But the problem is, it's just like this. Yesterday, we had record high temperatures. And if you had to be out working, I am so sorry, but I'm so glad you're here today because we've got the air conditioner on. It's cooled back down. Things are going much better. But you know what? If you were out yesterday working in that stuff, you're sweating, you're doing those things. At the end of the day, if you did not have a refuge and a place to go, you would have to try to find somewhere. And it'd be very hard to go, but it's so nice to be able to go back to your home where peace and safety and love is found. And that's exactly what it's like with the Lord. You walk from back into your house, from whatever you were dealing with, and you say, go back to the house and say, Lord, I need your help. I don't know how to do this. I mean, literally, I am crying that out on almost every day because I don't know how to be a dad. It's not like there's a book that says, here, read this book, other than this book right here. This says, if you'll just trust me in what you're doing, God will continue to lead and direct. You know, I find myself when I apply this, I'm a much better dad. When I apply this, I'm a pretty hard-headed dad. And it causes issues in our world. And that's where I love this, where it comes back down to this. Verse 10, he says this, be still and know that I am God. You know, 
when we recognize that he is the leader of our life and that he's the father. So if he's the father, then he's the leader. He leads us where our family goes. We follow behind him. That's why I love what he says, be still and know that I am God. When he makes that statement, it changes everything. Because all of a sudden, it's not about what's going around us. It's about slowing down and hearing what the Lord says. Move, you move. When he says, stay, you stay. You be still, you slow down and enjoy these things. And he goes on, he says, I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. This is what it comes back down to. As parents, as fathers, we are called to slow down and be led by the Lord. You know, I think a lot of times we can get caught up in our children's lives or in our, in our everyday lives, and it can affect who we are. Trying to give, you know, our kids what we never had. Well, if I can pay for this and I can do this, yes, it costs me my life's work to be able to do this. But if I can do this for them, it'll be something I've never had before. But I, I realized this years ago. I remember my family went on a, a trip and uh, it was my dad and my stepmom and my brothers. We were all sitting there. We're sitting at the dining room, dining room table. And we're eating dinner. It's right before school starts. And they ask us this question. They said, tell me your favorite trip of the whole year, the whole summer. And this summer, man, they saved money. They raised up all these different things. We were able to go. We went to Disneyland, which was, you know, that, that was unheard of for us. We made a trip to Las Vegas and went to, um, I didn't know there was a strip because we were on the old strip where Circus Circus was. And it was like, this is the greatest place in the world. I didn't know there was anything else there. And so we did this. We went to Las Vegas. We went to Disney World, uh, Disneyland, I'm sorry. Went all the way up and down the coast of California. Went to the beach. I mean, we had all these pictures. And then we took a family trip with, with the rest of our family, aunts and uncles and everybody. We went to this place called Lake Powell. And we rented a houseboat and we stayed there. And we got back. And so here we are. We're talking. It's right before the school year starts. And they said, tell me your favorite thing. What was your favorite vacation? You know, fully expecting them to say, oh, Disneyland was amazing. Or, oh my gosh, when we went to Las Vegas, it was unbelievable. Man, that time we went there, because that's where all the money was invested, was into those two trips. The trip to Lake Powell cost very little. All three of us, my brother my, my, and my other brothers, we all said Lake Powell by far was the best trip. And they said, but what about Disneyland? Well, that was okay. That was fun. I mean, we had fun. So if you had to choose today between Disneyland and Lake Powell, where do you choose? Lake Powell. Every one of us. Boom. Lake Powell. Lake Powell. And they said, why? And they said, because we went with family. The thing is, at Lake Powell, we rented jet skis and we had a houseboat and we had a couple boats. So what we would do is get up in the morning, we'd eat breakfast together, we'd go out on a boat and go water skiing, come back in and you'd hang out, we'd eat lunch, and then we'd go back out if we wanted to. But it was literally no agenda. Just being present with the family. And I think that's what's unique about today's world. We think we've got to create all these events so that we have all these great memories. But in all reality, if you'll just be present in the moment, it changes everything. Remember this, it's not about the thing that you are doing, but it's about who you are doing it with that matters most. It's a choice that we have right there. I can remember growing up as a... Uh, um, I, my parents got divorced when I was very young, so my dad... I was a single dad for a long time. My mom was a single mom. My mom got remarried. My dad got remarried, then divorced and remarried again. And um, love every bit of my family. Um, It's very unique how God orchestrated it. Uh, It looks like, you know, when when someone puts a rug together, when you're looking at the backside, it looks like a mess. But when they flip it around, it's a beautiful masterpiece. 
And I think that's kind of what my life is like. What I think looks wrong, God flips it around and says, no, let me show you the picture of what it's really happening. And so it's amazing to see what God is doing. But I remember as a child, uh, we used to play baseball. My mom didn't have a lot of money. And so we would get, she bought a wiffle ball and a baseball bat or a wiffle ball bat. We used to play wiffle ball in the front yard all the time. Like all my friends would come to my house. Everybody would come from all over and say, call me up and say, hey, we're playing wiffle ball today. We're playing wiffle ball because we would get out there, my mom and my dad and my stepbrother and my sister and my brother and his friends and my friends, man, we'd have like 25 guys out there playing. And it was so much fun to play. And we would literally do it every single day and it cost $10. But it was so much fun because we were all together. Those are the memories that mean the most. And that's what I think is coming back to me is I don't remember my dad working all the time. I remember my dad being a part of my life and what it took for him to do that. And so I encourage you, always slow back down and remember to enjoy it. Earl Nightingale said it best. He said, learn to enjoy every minute of your life. Be happy now. Don't wait for something outside of yourself to make you happy in the future. Think how you are really precious, how really precious is the time you have to spend. Whether it's at work or with your family, every minute should be enjoyed and savored. You know, as a father, I really struggled with this growing up when my son was very young. I remember when he was a child, when he was a baby, he was born, and I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, literally, they handed, handed him to me. I didn't even know if I knew how to hold the baby. I was like, you know, this, and all of a sudden, it became very natural. I held him there, and I was just like, this is amazing that this is a, this, this is a child. This is real. It's no longer those baby dolls or any of this other stuff. This is a real child. And I remember as we were sitting there and we were going through this, and, and I remember I, I would make statements and comments that would say, you know, here he is as a little baby, and I'd say, I can't wait till he can sit up on his own. When he sits up on his own, I'll be able to do so much more with him. And then he got to the point where he could sit up and hold his head up on his own and we didn't have to hold him and he would sit there and be aware and watch and do all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I can't wait till he can stand on his own or I can't wait till he can crawl. Man, when he can crawl, it's gonna be so much fun. We've got all these toys and we've got all these things. And it's like every time he would get to the moment I was waiting for, I would skip to the next moment. And then he got to this point and he said, you know, he started crawling and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till he can walk. And all of a sudden I moved to the moment and I'm like, I can't wait till he gets here and I can't wait till he gets here and I can't wait. So I keep pushing forward to the moment that he gets here. And he got to the point where he could walk and then we would still have to feed him. I remember being at a uh, friend's house and I, I had to stop doing what I was doing so I could feed the kids. And I was like, I can't wait till they can feed themselves. And that was my next statement. It was like, all of a sudden, I, I, I just, instead of staying in the moment with the kids, It was like I was to the next moment saying, come on, catch up to me. He would get here and join me for a moment. I would move forward and say, come on, catch up with me. And it was so wrong because I was missing so many incredible moments. My wife is a head basketball coach of uh, uh, Trinity. And this, she's gone through a couple of classes that have gone all the way from freshmen to seniors with her. And it's been very unique to watch how quickly it goes. It's astonishing to me that we all of a sudden can remember, oh, I remember her freshman game, very first game ever playing, to even this year watching the very last game of this this girl. I remember her freshman year, and now it's her last game to ever play at Trinity Christian. And And I look, and I'm like, it went by like that. In a flash, everything was gone. And I look, and I remember, 
I've got to enjoy the moments with my kids. I've got to enjoy these moments because they do go by fast. You know, you hear people say that, and you're like, nah, that's not really true. Come on, especially when your kids are young. But enjoy every moment. And I believe that's what he's trying to get across right here. The second thought is this, is the pastor was sharing this thought. And I love this thought because as he shared it, I remember a moment in his life, and we're going to read out of Ephesians chapter 6. There's a moment in this pastor's life where his, one of his children um, made some pretty bad decisions. And he became very, very harsh towards her. The words he spoke and the way he spoke to her, very, very harsh. And so he texted me, when I texted him this, this is years ago that this happened, and he texted me this thing and he said this. He said, love your kids with a thought that they are your brothers and sister in the Lord. And I thought back to that and I was like, I'm not very good at that. Because as a dad, um, when chaos comes, my greatest thing is to bring back order. And for me to bring back order means I bring control back into my life. I've got to have control. When control is there, I'm comfortable. But when it's chaos, I'm not comfortable. The problem is, is it's not my job to bring control. It's God's job to bring control back into my life. And a lot of times the words that I speak become very harsh because I'm frustrated or upset or whatever. And this is what it comes to is Ephesians 6.1. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on this earth. That's a great statement. As children, man, that, that's pretty simple. Just honor. Just honor them. What they ask you to do, no back talk. Just honor. Watch what God will continue to do. But verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, I'm going to be extremely open with you. I don't do this very well with my children. I strive to do better every day. And I will be honest, I fail constantly. I wish I could tell you I have this whole book down, but I don't. I'm still working. I'm still a work in progress. I hope that I'm better than I was yesterday. Um, Even last night, the Lord spoke to me in this morning processing through it. Yesterday, my, my daughter... Uh, was in a basketball tournament, and my wife and I were coaching, and uh, we were helping coach, and it was yesterday morning at 8 a.m. was our game, so that means the girls had to be there at 7.30 in the morning. Um, Girls that don't get a lot of sleep, they act different. I don't know if you know that. They just act different. We're just going to leave it at that. Uh, A lot of emotions, a lot of things happening, growing, changing, and it's like a train wreck just lighted all together, and so... They get, to this, they get to the game, and it's pretty loud in the gym, so I feel like I've got to be louder than everybody so they can hear my voice. So I'm, making, you know, I'm yelling at this and trying to instruct, but instructing in a very harsh tone. Not a good combination. Key note right there if you need to take notes on that. Don't instruct in a harsh way because it doesn't go over very well. So um, during the middle of the game, I have a couple of curls with their eyes that are red, and I'm like, they must be tired. And uh, apparently I caused three girls to cry. Um, yes, none of, I don't know if I made my daughter cry, but it was close. So it was three and a half probably. 
But uh, after the game, my wife and I are in the car and we're driving back to the house and we're talking. Um, it's what I like to consider intense fellowship. We'll call it that. And uh, I'm sharing my opinion. She's sharing her opinion about it. We're going back and forth in a very calm, intense manner. Uh, not intense at all. Very intense, not very calm. But um, so we're going back and forth through this. And she said, you need to think about the way you're talking. These are not little boys. You can't say this. And you got to say this. They're little girls. They're only 10 and they're doing this. And I'm like, yeah, but they need to wake up. They need to pick up. They need to do these things. And so as we're talking, literally, I have the enemy sitting here telling me, you're right. Keep saying it. You're right. Because you're right. You are exactly right. They should have, and they should have done this, and they should have done this, and they should have done this. In my mind, I'm going, yep, you're right. Yep, I am. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to bring my point across. And the Lord on this side is saying, just stop talking. And I'm like, but I can't prove my point if I'm not talking. And so we're going back and forth, and we're doing these things, and finally I just went quiet. And I said, fine. And I went quiet. She said, oh, so now you're not going to talk anymore, and you're not going to do this. And I said, I'm processing. I've got to just quit. I'm done. I'm sorry. And so I started processing through in my head, and the Holy Spirit finally came back in and started getting a hold of me because it's not that he was gone. It's that I wasn't focused on him. I became focused on the moment and proving my right. And so we go through the day, the Lord starts dealing with me, and I realize very quickly I'm focusing more on the negative than I am on the positive. So I made the change. Last night we played again for our second time, and that's what's amazing about the Lord. It's like our life. Sometimes in the morning you screw up royally, but you get to redeem yourself by that night. And that's what's amazing about the Lord. So last night we played a game, uh, got intense, got aggressive, got those things. But you know what? I, I tried to keep positive. I tried to keep upright, even when my wife messed up a little bit, tried to encourage her, tried to do those things. And it was one of those things. It was amazing because the team that we had lost to on Friday night, we turned around and beat last night. And so it was amazing to hear that and to see that. And the thing about it is, it's like the redemption of the Lord. Even when you've screwed up your whole time, the Lord can still lift you back up. I love this, verses 7 and 8. It says, work with enthusiasm as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each of us for the good that we do, whether we are slaves or free. And this is what, I, what the Lord came back and said as parents, work at it with enthusiasm. I don't see great kids with dull parents. And what I mean by that is when I see great parents, I see great kids. They're not perfect. Oh, no, they screw up all the time. That's okay. They're kids. They're supposed to. But what I see is great parents who are enthusiastic about what they do. When I see dull, controlling parents, I see issues arising. And so when you parent parent with enthusiasm, as though you are working for the Lord, not for people. And that's what the Lord wanted to help us to get across, is that when we are enthusiastic about the way we parent, it changes everything. The third one I spoke to was a coach. And uh, go ahead and turn to Psalms 37. So this coach, um, he's, he's transitioning in his life for the first time. He's been a coach of high school, and now he's in college. And uh, he's got a child that has just graduated high school. And so, like, getting ready to say goodbye to this child, that this child is leaving his uh, domain, his home, and everything. And and it was interesting what he said. 
Because even what the young father said, remember, he said, be present in what you do. It's not about the thing you're doing, but it's about who you're doing it with that matters the most. The coach said this. He says, be intentional about everything you do with your children. Life goes by too fast, and if you aren't intentional or careful, you will look up and it may be too late. Be present at everything you can. And I sit back and I think, you know what? That means a lot. I can still to this day remember the fact that my dad, my junior year and senior year, went to every one of my basketball and baseball games. A lot of times I would look up in the stands and there would be four parents in there and I knew my dad was one of them. The next week it would be different parents except my dad was there. The next week it would do this and he chose to say, I want to spend this time with my kids. It cost him a lot of money to travel. I mean, I can remember he drove all the way up to uh, Laramie, Wyoming. Um, Great place to go, by the way. Extremely flat-landed and crazy up in there. Crazy blizzard snowstorm, and he still made it so that he could come and watch me play. And I think about those things, and I think about the importance it was for him to be present at everything he could. Even when I was in college, he would drive all over the country to come watch me play. Be present and intentional. Or if you say, well, someday we'll get there. The problem is someday will never come. And by that time, you'll miss the opportunity to be with your, with your kids and enjoy what they're doing. You know, I love this scripture, Psalms 37, verse 3. And the reason why I want to share this with you is because I believe that the Lord will help you in these areas. Verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Verse 4 says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. The thing I want you to understand about this is we can all live this life, this verse out. We can have fun with it, and we can enjoy every bit of it. But the key to this verse has to be you're centered on God. When you go back and you understand this, when you read this, it says, take the light of the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you read that, it changes because you understand when I commit my way and I trust in him, something changes. What I'm doing is I'm saying, God, everything is centered on you. So all of a sudden, your hearts and desires forever change. Meaning that what I used to desire Back when I played baseball, when I, when I was around sports all the time, I had a terrible mouth. I would always, I would cuss all the time and I would be mad and I'd be angry and I'd do all these things. And it wasn't a big deal for me to turn around and cuss you out one side and then, you know, say, hey, that's all right, buddy. We're still friends. But I found something very significant is when I found the Lord in my life, he dealt with my mouth very quickly. And I realized quickly that when I became connected to him, I found that my delight, my de- desires changed. I didn't want to seem to be cool by the way I spoke to people. I could care less at that point. I want to do my best. I want to work hard. I want to be a leader for what he has called me to do. It changed everything. Pastor shares his past all the time. The desires of his heart forever changed when he accepted the Lord. What used to be the desires of his heart changed and he came to this side. He messed up, he talks about it, but you know what? His desire kept leaning him back to this way because what you do is when you commit your way to the Lord, all of a sudden the Lord's desires for you become your desires for you. But it starts with this, they're his desires. 
Because a lot of times we, we try to figure out this will make me happy. And then we get it and all of a sudden three months later, it's not making me happy anymore. We get this and all of a sudden it's not that way. Well, all, when you accept the Lord, when you come back into him, everything changes. You take delight in the Lord and he gives you the desires of your heart, the desires that are there to bless you, to lead you, to guide you, to make you more and more acceptable, just to, to, to find that joy. And this is what I found over the, even these past few months is that as I live this thought out, Everything has changed in my life. What I used to desire is totally changed. Because I thought this was cool, and now I'm saying, I'm okay with what I've got. God, I just want to honor you. The desires of my heart, you know, I, I, when I used to get money, I'd be like, oh, good, I'm going to go buy this, or I'm going to go buy this, I'm going to go buy this. My first thought now is, God, who can I bless with this? God, what can I do to bless somebody? What can I do to, to make their day better? And the Lord has continued to do that in my life. And I love it, because when he does that, he changes everything about the inside of you. All of a sudden, you start to find enjoyment in giving instead of the enjoyment of receiving. And it's awesome to see those things. And so the final thought I want to share is my personal thought. And I'm going to tie it in with the business leader's thought too. In Luke chapter 15, we're going to read about the prodigal son. In Luke 15, verse 20 is what we're going to read, but go ahead and get in that area right there. So Luke 15. So there was a man and the prodigal son. Pastor shared this story many times and talked specifically about this, but I want to share briefly on this. And so there were two sons and a father. The father was very wealthy and had many things and had land, had cattle, had everything that they needed. And the two sons came and they they started making comments. And the younger one came up and said, I want my inheritance now. And so the father being a loving father said, okay, and went in and Divided up the inheritance, gave half to the, or gave, gave the older son his and the younger son his. And the younger said, fine, I'm leaving. Took all of his inheritance and went to a foreign land, it said. It said that when he got there, he went around partying and rousing and he had many friends. But eventually that money ran out. And he realized very quickly all those friends left and he went to go work for a man. And one day he was sitting there and he was so hungry, he was feeding the pigs and it says he was throwing the slop out there and he thought that that actually looked tasty. That's how hungry he was. He wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. And he said to himself, he said, my, my father's servants live and eat better than I am right now. I need to go home. And he said, he said I need to go repent to my father and tell him, make me a servant. Make me a servant. And so we're going to pick up in verse 20. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. Now, I want you to think about this. You have a son that's walked away, taken everything that you were going to give him, walked off and he threw it all away. He comes back, he's beaten, he's tore up. Nothing looks good about him. How did the father react? Because a lot of us, I think at times when our kids come to us, I know I deal with this, when they come to us and they repent and say, I'm sorry for all this, they're dealing with shame and guilt and, and all the things that the, the, the enemy is going to pour upon them. And they're beat up. Our job is not to beat them up more. I promise you, I'm working through this. This is a hard thing for a dad to do. Because the disappointment you get a lot of times will affect the way that you react. 
But I love, I love how this father says this. Seeing him a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Now, the thought that I have that the Lord put on my heart that I want to share with dads is this. Is that as a dad, we're, go- we're going through a new territory and trying to navigate the family along the way. We need to learn to rely on God's voice and direction just like we trust the GPS on a trip. God has to be our GPS in our adventure with our family. Now, I want you to think about this. Every one of us have smartphones probably, and if you go on a trip to a place you've never been before, all you do is you type in the address on Google Maps or on the maps or whatever you do, and you type it in and you hit go. And those directions will take you directly to that spot. When it says turn left, turn left. When it says turn right, you turn right. When it says, uh, and, and, you know, turn onto this highway, you're going to turn onto that highway. We put ultimate trust into that GPS because we believe that it's going to get us to the place we want to go. The thing is, if you have a desire for your heart and your family, the only GPS that will lead you to where you want to go is the Lord himself. If you'll submit yourself and trust me, I'll lead you down the path that you want. Remember, Jeremiah 29, 11, for the plans that I have for you, not to harm you, but to help you, to give you a future and a hope. This is what he's talking about. Great things are coming if you'll submit under me. And so this father has a great opportunity to sit there and make it about him or make it about restoring his son. And I love what he does right here. So the, the son says this, and he's beaten down. He's shamed, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. I love this. Verse 22, but his father. I love that because a but like changes everything, changes the whole manner, the whole way. I can just imagine the son. He's like, I, I can't even look at you, dad. And I, I could just imagine him lifting his chin up. Look me in the eyes. Looking at the sorrowful eyes, having smells coming off of him, looking at his ragged clothes. But the father said to his servants, quick, quick. And he says this, bring me the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. He goes on to say, kill the fatted calf. We are going to have a party because my son is home. And I sit back and I think about this and I'm going through it in my mind. I'm saying, this doesn't make sense to me. And the, the, the Lord is simply walking me through a process to help me to understand why is the significance of the robe? Why the ring and why the sandals? And this is what he said. A ring signifies the renewed partnership. The renewed partnership. When you saw that ring, when you go back and you study this out, they would get rings. Remember, Joseph was given a ring. He was put in second in command. When people saw that ring, there was authority with that ring. He had lost the ring. There was nothing there. He was broken down, and the Lord put the ring back on him and said, you and I, you're my son. You came home. You repented. We lifted you up, and this is what we're doing. We put a ring on him because that reminds him that when I look at that ring, I am connected. I am connected right away. The second thing, remember a robe. You got to think about this. He had ragged clothes. 
He was a servant. He was feeding the pigs. They don't smell good. He probably had to be in there and cleaning them and working with them. And he probably stunk. And remember, he was at a distant land. So he came walking all the way home. Smelled of all kinds of different things. But the father puts a robe on him. The robe signified a covering for the past and a representation of the new. Remember, the clothes he had on were terrible, so he went and got the finest robe. He puts it on him. Now when people look at him, they don't see the rugged, torn up stuff. They see the fine robe. They see the robe and they say, that that guy has a great future. That person has this. They don't see the ragged clothes. And I love this. He puts the sandals on him. Walking through barefoot, but he puts the sandals on and he says this, to walk away from the memories of loss and mourning and reinstating the possibilities for what he had in mind for his son. Now I want you to think about this because there's a lot of times in life we look at ourselves as dirty and tore up. But the Lord's saying, no, no, no. I want to give you a ring. I want to put a robe on you. And I want to give you these sandals. Because remember, my desires are still there. My desires are there because of him. Not because of me. Not the desires that I want. Because understand this. When I accepted Lord Jesus, it changed everything. Everything started happening. When I followed the Lord, it changed. So the sandals represented a new future is still available. A new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. This is what the Lord is trying to say to us. I know that success doesn't run in my family. If I was to tell you the past, I told you, you know, I I come from divorce. I come from broken down. I come from generational curses. Success doesn't run in my family. But you know what? My family is successful. Do you know why they're successful? Because I follow him. It's not about me. I'm not lucky. I simply trust the Lord. I love what Lou Holtz said because you're going to have a choice here in just a minute. And he said this, there's never a right time to do the wrong thing and never a wrong time to do the right thing. When you're with your family, you have a choice. But understand this, if I tried to do this on my own, I'd be going down the same path that my entire family did. I'm so thankful that I have followed the steps of the Lord. You know, I think about Abraham. Abraham's father was called to go to the land that Abraham went to. The problem was when, when Abraham's father got about halfway there, he stopped and he set up camp. God called Abraham out one night and said, I, I'm calling you out to something bigger and better. I want you to go. Abraham got packed up and took everything and left and went to the land that God had destined for him. So whether your family or your parents ever took you to the promised land, it's not about them. It's about me. It's about my choice. And this is the decision that I have today, that we get to choose who leads our life. No matter where you've been or what you've done, God still has a ring, a robe, and sandals for you today. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.